How y'all doing there? Sure like to thank y'all for stopping by to have a cigar with Uncle Maduro. <laughs> now look at him. Before we get started, y'all always know like tell y'all what I'm smoking on. And tonight, ain't smoking on nothing. Actually, it's daytime doing working hours. Usually, you know, like Sunday through Wednesday, I don't like to smoke anything. I like to keep my body clean. I like to do a little working out. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, occasionally on Sunday, you know, then I get my smoke on. But this still don't stop me from telling y'all about a good stick here. Now tonight, or today should I say, I'm so used to doing these little pod talks at night. Today, I'm going to say, I want to introduce y'all to the A.J. Fernandez New World. Look at here. Now, I haven't had one of these sticks yet, but I do plan to have one Thursday when I start my smoking. Because I know Roz got these because I didn't see these in a cigar spot. But let me tell y'all what these folks say since I'm not going to be able to tell y'all what I say. Probably later on through the week if I do another pod talk. I do a little recap on what I think about it, like folks really <laughs> care about what I think about it. And I'm not even no cigar aficionado. I'm just a regular Joe who enjoys cigars and starting to enjoy them a little bit more as I go and as I get older. All right. But this A.J. Fernandez New World, draped in a bold, dark Nicaraguan wrapper and jam-packed with powerful Lagloras from Estelle and Candelo, balanced by the uniqueness of Apetito Tobacco, now, y'all know I got Louisiana education, so I can't say these words too good. You know what I mean? This rich, medium to full body blend offers an elegant, refined profile. Notes of earth, espresso, and a dense array of sweet and spicy notes characterize a smooth, complex profile. As it burns, the stretching flavors intensify perfectly before an exciting finale. There is something really special with this one, and knowing how near and dear to AJ this blend is, they planned it that way along the way. Now, here's the good news. These folks say the new world by A.J. Fernandez has earned a well-deserved 91 rating. Hmm. Interesting. Because that, that my father, Maduro, that I had the other day, that thing, they had a 97 rating. But I guess anything over 90 is pretty good. The earthy, rusty notes of this dark box press, Belacos, become more refined and precise, showing cocoa and coffee bean qualities before a finish of nuts and fruit. Wow. Now, I learned this here lately, too, about box press. Box press is just that. You know, it's like, it, it, you know what I think box press to me is like when you, you know, when you make something out of Play-Doh and you make it like a ball out of Play-Doh and then you put it in a box and you press it down that has that flatness on both sides, the north and south sides. I think, you know, that's my analogy with box press is, you know. But uh, I haven't had, like I said, I haven't had this A.J. Fernandez, but I will see about getting it Thursday when I go up to Roz. So, y'all get a chance. You know, y'all go to y'all favorite cigar spot and see if y'all can find this A.J. Fernandez New World and try it out. It's supposed to be a pretty good list. At least that's what these folks is saying, you know, it has a 91 rating. Well, 91 is still over 90. You know, like I say, that, uh, that um that my father would do that I was smoking the other day. That that rouse got a ninety seven percent rating. It was a good stick. It was a good full body stick too. But this AJ, you know, y'all go and see what y'all think about it for yourself. If you can't find it at your local cigar spot, you know, go on CI Holtz or any one of the little fellas and uh website and see if you can get something for your humidor. All right. But you know what? Today, what we gonna talk about with all this coronavirus thing going on today here. We're going to talk about business interruption insurance and how COVID-19 shine a light on this thing. Now, this business interrupting insurance, I, be honest with y'all, I'd never heard of this thing here until this corona thing here. You know, I guess insurance companies can, for, uh, I guess like down here in Florida, we have these hurricanes. I guess that would be for businesses. You know, if a hurricane is coming through, you know, if you have your business impacted because of a hurricane or a fire or something like that above the normal, then you can get this business interruption insurance. And I guess they would play. They would pay. But now with this COVID thing, I'm learning a lot of these insurance companies, they don't want to pay. A lot of these businesses got business interruption insurance and they don't want to pay because of the COVID virus thing. Right. But a lot of these people are pushing back saying because they're saying a virus is not covered under the business interruption plan. Well, I look at it like this. Well, you know what? Let me shut my mouth. I'm about to get off into a rant now because this thing making me mad about these insurance companies. But first thing what I want y'all to do here, I want y'all to take a look at 
business interruption insurance. Learn a little something about this thing, and then we're going to come back in on the flip side, and we're going to talk about it. Now, y'all know that I ain't no educated man. I got Louisiana education, but I'm just giving it to you from my perspective, and my perspective would be totally wrong, but again, who cares? long as y'all understand a little bit what these folks say about, if you never heard this, business interruption insurance like I never heard of before. So I'm going I'm to dig a little deep down into it while y'all listen to this, and I'm going to catch up with y'all on the flip side. All right? All right now. Let's take a look at business interruption insurance and how COVID-19 has shined a light on it. Business interruption insurance, also known as business income insurance, is a type of insurance that covers the loss of income that a business suffers after a disaster. The income loss covered may be due to disaster-related closing of the business facility or due to the rebuilding process after a disaster. It differs from property insurance in that a property insurance policy only covers the physical damage to the business, while the additional coverage allotted by the business interruption policy covers the profits that would have been earned. This extra policy provision is applicable to all types of businesses, as it is designed to put a business in the same financial position it would have been in if no loss had occurred. This type of coverage can be added onto the business property insurance policy or comprehensive package policy such as a business owner's policy, BOP, or as part of a standalone policy in some jurisdictions. Since business interruption is included as part of the business primary policy, it only pays out if the cause of the loss is covered by the overarching policy or a defined event in the case of a standalone. Coverage The following are typically covered under a business interruption insurance policy. Profits Profits that would have been earned, based on prior month's financial statements. Fixed costs Operating expenses and other costs still being incurred by the property, based on historical costs. Temporary location Some policies cover the extra expenses for moving to, and operating from, a temporary location. Commission and training cost. Business interruption, by, policy essentially covers the cost of providing training to the operators of the machinery replaced by the insurer following the insured events. Extra expenses. Reimbursement for reasonable expenses, beyond the fixed costs, that allow the business to continue operation while the property is being repaired. Civil authority ingress slash egress. Government-mandated closure of business premises that directly causes loss of revenue. Examples include forced business closures because of government-issued curfews or street closures related to a covered event. This coverage extends until the end of the business interruption period determined by the insurance policy. Most insurance policies define this period as starting on the date of the covered peril and the damaged property is physically repaired and returned to operations under the same condition that existed prior to the disaster. In addition, Businesses can purchase contingent business interruption coverage, which pays out when a business is unable to operate because of an event, such as a natural disaster, that damages the business premises of one of its suppliers or customers, thus preventing it from engaging in normal trade. Will business interruption insurance provide coverage for coronavirus losses? With COVID-19 disrupting global supply chains and sales, businesses are losing income and incurring additional expenses as a result of the disruption there likely will be an increase in insurance claims against policies offering business interruption or contingent business interruption coverage. Whether the claims are covered will depend on the terms and conditions of the insurance policy and the circumstances of the loss. One of the largest independent claim managers has cautioned that successful claims under business interruption coverage for infection are not common, the insurance impacts of the 2019 novel coronavirus, Crawford & Company, January 30, 2020, https colon slash slash bit.ly slash 3 bats dn indeed there are no reported cases in the united states regarding business interruption coverage in connection with human infectious disease epidemics or pandemics however commerce has never been as global as it is today there are challenges to business interruption coverage some of those challenges are summarized below what is business interruption insurance Business interruption insurance protects against economic losses resulting from a business's inability to put insured property damaged by a covered peril to its normal use. Business interruption typically indemnifies for loss of revenue that would have been earned had there been no business interruption and the continuing normal operating expenses incurred during the time it takes to restore the damaged property. While coverage language frequently varies depending on the insurer and the coverage negotiated, the following is a sample insuring provision for business interruption coverage. This policy ensures against loss resulting directly from necessary interruption of business caused by physical loss or damage by apparel not otherwise excluded herein to insured property of the insured, all subject to the terms and conditions of this policy. Baxter International, Inc. v. America Guarantee and Liability INSCO, 369 ILAP 3D 700, 704, 1st DIST 2006, dot. Typically, 
Under standard business interruption policies, five conditions are required for a recoverable business interruption loss, 1. Physical damage, 2. To insured property, 3. Caused by a covered peril, 4. Resulting in quantifiable business interruption loss, 5. During the period of time it takes to restore the damaged property. Physical damage to property is typically a threshold requirement. Business interruption coverage is often part of a commercial property policy. Therefore, physical damage to insured property is typically required to trigger coverage, business interruption by itself is not enough. For example, in Source Food Technology v. US Fidelity and Guarantee Corp. 465 F.3D 834, 8th Sir. 2006, a company that sold cooking oil and shortening made from beef tallow sought indemnity for business interruption coverage after the USDA prohibited the importation of beef products from Canada after cows tested positive for mad cow disease. The court concluded there was no coverage under the policy because the embargoed beef product the insured sought to import was not contaminated or damaged in any way. Source food indicates that, depending on the language of the policy and the circumstances of the loss, contamination of property may constitute physical damage to property if there is sufficient proof of contamination. See also Sentinel Management Co. v. New Hampshire INS Co. 563N.W.2D296, 300, Minnesota App 1997. Civil Authority Coverage Commercial property policies may include coverage for losses caused by forced closure of property by civil authority. The coverage typically applies when an insured is unable to access its property due to a government order as a result of physical damage to adjacent or nearby property. Thus, Civil authority coverage typically requires physical damage to property to trigger the coverage. If the policy requires physical damage to adjacent or nearby property and the insured is unable to establish a causal connection between the government order and that physical damage, then there likely will be no coverage. For example, in United Airlines Incorporated v. Insurance Company of State of Pennsylvania 439 F.3D 128, 2D Sir 2006, United Airlines sought indemnity for economic losses relating to government closure of Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport in connection with the September 11, 2001, terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. The relevant policy provision provided. This policy ensures against loss resulting directly from the necessary interruption of business caused by damage to or destruction of the insured locations resulting from terrorism, sabotage, insurrection, rebellion, or coup d'etat. This section is specifically extended to cover a situation when access to the insured locations is prohibited by order of civil authority as a direct result of damage to adjacent premises, not exceeding, however, two, two, consecutive weeks. The court held that United Airlines was not entitled to civil authority coverage because the airport was shut down before the attack on the Pentagon and not as a direct result of damage to adjacent property, as required by the policy. The evidence showed that the shutdown was based on the fear of future attacks. In Sloan v. Phoenix of Hartford Insurance Company ETAL 46 Michigan App 46, 207 N.W.2D 434, 1973, however, the court interpreted the civil authority provision as not requiring physical damage to property to trigger coverage. Owners and operators of movie theaters made a claim for business interruption coverage following a curfew ordered by the governor of Michigan in response to widespread riots. The policy provided. This policy covers against loss resulting directly from necessary interruption of business caused by damage to or destruction of real or personal property by peril, s, insured against during the term of this policy, on premises occupied by the insured and situated as herein described. This policy is extended to include the actual loss as covered here under, during the period of time, not exceeding two consecutive weeks, when as a direct result of the peril, s, insured against, access to the premises described is prohibited by order of civil authority. After reviewing the plain language of the policy, the court held there was business interruption coverage under the civil authority provision for losses incurred to comply with the governor's order. Furthermore, only government orders causing a business to close will constitute a civil authority order. If a business closes because of government action that does not rise to the level of an order, such as an advisory to stay off the streets following a hurricane, then there will be no civil authority coverage. See, example Penton Media Incorporated v. Affiliated FMINSCO, Case No. 3 CV 2111, 2006 WL 250-4907, Note 6, ND Ohio August 29, 2006, AFT, 245 Federal Ops 495, 6 Sir 2007, holding that FEMA's takeover of the Javits Center pursuant to a lease agreement following the September 11, 2001, attacks did not constitute an order of civil authority. Finally, 
Following September 11th, Hurricane Sandy, and other disasters, insurers tightened policy language to make clear that property damage was a requirement for coverage and added hours clauses specifying that business interruption coverage would not be triggered for days. Contingent business interruption coverage. Contingent business interruption coverage protects against economic losses resulting from damage to the property of a person on whom the insured depends for its business, such as a supplier or a customer. The terms of the coverage vary from policy to policy and may be limited to damage to a direct supplier's property or may extend to damage to the property of indirect suppliers, such as suppliers of suppliers. For example, in Pentair Incorporated v American Guarantee and Liability Insurance Co. 400 F.3D 613, 8th Sir 2005, the insured sought coverage under a manuscript all-risk property policy following an earthquake in Taiwan. A substation that supplied electricity to Pantier's Taiwanese factory suppliers was damaged by the earthquake, disrupting the factory supplier's ability to manufacture goods to be shipped to the insured. A contingent time element provision in the policy extended the business interruption coverage to include losses incurred by Pantier as the result of damage to property of a supplier of goods and slash or services to the insured that is caused by a covered peril. The court held there was no coverage because the electrical substation was not a supplier of goods and services to the insured. See also Millennium Inorganic Chems. Limited v National Union Fire INS Co. of Pittsburgh, 744 F.3D 279, 4th Sir 2014, holding direct supplier S of materials to the insured's locations did not include supplier of natural gas with whom the insured lacked contractual privity and who had no control over the gas once title to the gas passed to an intermediary that sold the gas to the insured. Viruses and Disease. Viruses and disease are typically not insured perils unless added by endorsement. Healthcare endorsement may include communicable disease coverage, such as the following. We will pay for the following under communicable disease coverage. Direct physical loss or damage to property insured caused by or resulting from a covered communicable disease event at the premises described in the declarations. If the declarations show you have business income with extra expense coverage, we will pay for the actual loss of business income, rental value, or necessary extra expense or expediting expense that you sustain due to the necessary full or partial suspension of operations during the period of restoration. The suspension must be caused by direct physical loss or damage caused by or resulting from a covered communicable disease event at the premises described in the declarations. Catholic Med Center v. Fireman's Fund INSCO, Case No. 14 CV 180, 2015 WL 346-3417, No. 2. DNH June 1, 2015, emphasis in original, dot. In the above, communicable disease was defined as any disease caused by a biological agent that may be transmitted directly or indirectly from one human or animal to another, and communicable disease event was defined as an event in which a public health authority has ordered the premises described in the declarations be evacuated, decontaminated, or disinfected due to the outbreak of a communicable disease at such premises, emphasis in original. Furthermore, Viruses and disease may be excluded expressly, see, example Robin Paxton, as virus spreads, insurers exclude Ebola from new policies, Reuters, October 22, 2014, https colon slash slash ruti.rs slash 2y6srlx. In Meyer Natural Foods, LLC v Liberty Mutual Fire Insurance Company 218F sub 3D 1034, D Nebraska 2016, the court held that a contamination exclusion barred coverage for the contamination of beef with E. coli while in the insured's possession. The exclusion provided. We will not pay for loss or damage caused by or resulting from any of the following, regardless of any other cause or event, including a peril insured against, that contribute to the loss at the same time or in any other sequence. The actual or suspected presence of any virus, organism, or like substance that is capable of inducing disease, illness, physical distress or death, whether infectious or otherwise, including but not limited to any epidemic, pandemic, influenza, plague, SARS, or avian flu. Causation and financial losses. Business interruption losses must be caused by a covered peril. For example, in Dictiomatic Incorporated v. U.S. Fidelity and Guarantee Co. 958 F. Sub 594, SDFLA 1997, an insured seller of translating devices filed a claim for business interruption coverage following a major hurricane that damaged the office building where it leased space, preventing access to its office for several weeks. The court held there was no coverage under the policy because the insured suffered income losses throughout its entire period of operation immediately prior to the hurricane, and further that there is inadequate proof that the insured would have achieved profitability during the period of business interruption or immediately thereafter, and would have been unprofitable even without the business interruption. See also Dickie Brennan and Covey Lexington INS, 
636 F.3D 683, 5th Sir 2011, holding insureds failed to establish causal link between evacuation order issued prior to arrival of hurricane and damage to nearby property to recover under civil authority provision, dot. In addition, losses may arise from multiple causes, covered and uncovered. Whether there is coverage for a combination of covered and uncovered causes will be based on the policy language and the jurisdiction's law regarding concurrent causes. Furthermore, proof of financial losses can be complex, similar to proving lost profits damages in a commercial case. Causation and losses must be well documented and mitigation efforts should be made where possible. Insurance industry response to coronavirus. Standard business interruption policies typically include an endorsement excluding viruses or epidemics, however, in response to past epidemics, specialty insurance was developed to respond. For example, in October 2014, in response to the Ebola epidemic, specialty brokers in conjunction with the ARC specialty program of Lloyds of London offered a new type of coverage called Pandemic Disease Business Interruption Insurance to cover loss of income arising from government-mandated closure of healthcare facilities and diminished revenue in the aftermath of a quarantine. Stephanie Goldberg, NAS offers coverage for Ebola-related business closures, business insurance, October 17, 2014. HTTPS colon slash slash bit.ly slash 3xdqta. The insurance industry is responding to the coronavirus, COVID-19, epidemic. In early February 2020, the Insurance Services Office, ISO, developed two new endorsement forms, business interruption, limited coverage for certain civil authority orders relating to coronavirus and business interruption, limited coverage for certain civil authority orders relating to coronavirus, including orders restricting some modes of public transportation, Christine G. Barlow, coronavirus spurs ISO to provide business interruption endorsement, Property Casualty 360, February 10, 2020. HTTPS colon slash slash bit.ly slash 2q5bb. These forms provide coverage for actual loss of business income and extra expenses caused by a government order closing the insured's premises or quarantining all or part of the premises and from government suspension of some modes of public transportation. If dependent properties are included in the coverage, such as a supplier's or customer's premises, then the coverage applies to the dependent property as well. Note that the forms were not filed with any states and are not being added to ISO's form portfolio. If the past is any indication, there may be further responses, including specific exclusions for coronavirus. Lastly, let's take a look at a plaintiff attorney's view on COVID-19 business interruption. A plaintiff attorney. A New York attorney has called out insurance agents and brokers for misguiding clients about COVID-19-related business interruption, by, claims. Petro Zinkovitsky, founder of NYC-based Zinkovitsky law firm, says agents and brokers are unintentionally doing their commercial clients a disservice by advising them not to file by claims, despite the almost inevitable denial that claimants will receive from carriers. It's an argument that has hit the headlines in recent weeks. With businesses of all sizes suffering due to mandatory closures, many have turned to their insurers to recover income losses. However, buy policies typically only trigger if there's direct physical loss to property, they do not cover virus and bacteria. As such, insurers are denying coronavirus-related buy claims, which has triggered an onslaught of coverage disputes and litigation against the industry, including a number of class-action lawsuits. Various states have proposed legislation to try and resolve the situation, but in the near term, there's no immediate clarity for business owners or insurers about how this tide will turn. Unfortunately, it seems like there's a lot of misinformation coming from insurance agents and brokers with regards to buy claims, said Zinkovitsky. Many of my clients have told me that they've been advised by their insurance broker not to file a buy claim. Some have been advised that if they file a claim, they may be dropped by the insurance carrier in the future. Others have been told that if they file a claim, even if they don't get paid on that claim, that will increase their premium upon renewal. They're really being discouraged from filing by claims with their insurance companies. When asked whether he thought that was due to misunderstanding on behalf of the agents and brokers, or rather a general miscommunication issue between insurers, agents, and end clients, Zinkovitsky said that regardless of cause, he doesn't think it's an issue of bad faith. The carriers have been very vocal about the fact that they're not willing to pay those claims, he told insurance business. Every carrier in every state made a point to state that they are not funding pandemic-related buy claims. Having said that, just because the insurance companies are stating that they're not willing to pay those claims, it doesn't mean that people who suffered economic injuries due to COVID-19 are not entitled to be reimbursed. There are a lot of times when insurance companies deny claims and then they end up paying them in full after a lawsuit is resolved. Unfortunately, 
it's not unusual for insurance companies to deny the claims initially, only to settle them down the line. I don't think that insurance brokers are advising against making buy claims in bad faith, I don't think that at all. I think they're going based off what they hear in the media and from the insurance companies themselves, and they're thinking that because a policy has a virus exclusion in it, there is no way to get reimbursed for closures due to COVID-19 and, therefore, insureds shouldn't even bother filing a claim. The first piece of advice that Zinkovitsky gives to clients who've lost income as a result of the COVID-19 mandatory closures is to collect their evidence, notify their insurance company and file a buy claim. He advises clients, and their insurance agents or brokers, not to act like judges or arbitrators, but rather to let the carriers determine whether claims are covered or not. This is because insurance policies have strict deadline requirements for first notice of loss, FNOL. In the case of COVID-19, most, if not all, insurance companies have taken the position that the pandemic is not a covered loss. But according to Zinkovitsky, if policyholders file a buy claim within the strict FNOL time frame, then at least they reserve the right to dispute the insurance company's position at a later date. I'm not denying the fact that the insurance companies have an exclusion for viruses in their policies. Whether it's enforceable is a completely different question. As of right now, there hasn't been a binding decision from any court in the country that would say that provision in the insurance contract is enforceable, Zinkovitsky added. I ask every single one of my clients the same thing, were they aware of this exclusion? And not a single person has yet told me that they were. Many people thought that when they bought a business income interruption policy, it would do exactly as the name implies. They would get insurance that would pay out if their business was interrupted. One factor exacerbating the problem is the length and complexity of insurance contracts. Oftentimes, clients will only read or keep the coverage declaration and they'll leave the 150-200 page policy document to gather dust. But buried within that long and complex document is a virus exclusion that is often no longer than two or three paragraphs, which people either overlook or do not understand fully when they buy the policy. According to Zinkovitsky, it would make more sense to disclose all exclusions on the policy declaration page rather than bury them within a 150-page document. My advice to agents and brokers would be, don't try to act as a judge, said Zinkovitsky. You're not in a position to rule on this issue. No one knows whether small businesses will be able to recover by losses from their insurance companies. Just because the insurer tells you that there's a virus exclusion in the policy, it doesn't mean that your insured won't be able to recover some of their damages. There's a civil authority coverage in the policy, a lot of restaurants have spoilage coverage in their policies, and so on. It's not clear whether the virus exclusion will be enforceable or not, and there hasn't been any legislation passed yet, or any precedent set because a lot of legal cases have been filed but they haven't yet been ruled on. So, there are a lot of unknown variables here. I would advise agents and brokers not to try to stop their clients from filing by claims, because if a client doesn't file a claim and then loses their right to pursue their claim later on, Number one, you will end up with a very, very unsatisfied client, and number two, you will potentially expose yourself to malpractice lawsuits. <laughs> what y'all think about that? Business interruption insurance. I tell you, I always say, now y'all go back and listen to some of my little old pot talks when I talk about these insurance companies, okay? How these insurance companies work. Now, these insurance companies collect money for years and years and years and years on folks' policy. And don't pay nothing out. And then when it's time for them to pay out, they always want to make an excuse why they, they, they can't pay off. Or hold you. They would rather play lawyers millions of dollars to hold things up in court than pay people on their policy. Now, what they saying is, they say this COVID-19 that these businesses aren't experiencing no, um, you know, no interruption because of COVID-19 because a lot of these businesses can still serve people. Okay? And, and viruses aren't covered in the policy. Now, I understand that if it's in there, if it's in your policy that a virus is, isn't covered, I understand that. But what's going on now is your businesses are being interrupted and impacted by government policy. You understand what I'm saying? The businesses aren't being impacted because of the virus. That That's like saying businesses are being in, in, impacted because of the flu. The flu is a virus. Or the measles. The measles is a virus. These companies are not being impacted because of COVID. These companies are being impacted because the government, these local, state, municipal governments are shutting these businesses down. That's why it's being impacted. And these businesses, they're paying all this money, all the money these insurance companies and these insurance companies, don't, they, they don't want to kick it out 
because the one guy was saying that, you know, hey, we paid on all these policies, these businesses um, because of COVID, we would go bankrupt. Well, you know what? You don't want took all. You don't want took took all these folks' money. Because to be honest with y'all, folks, I'm telling y'all, these insurance companies they don't keep no money into their savings coffin. These insurance companies take your money and they invest your money. It ain't nothing but a Ponzi scheme. They don't they don't count they don't count on anything hitting at one time. Because what they count on is that say if a hurricane hit down here in Florida, right? They'll pay these they'll pay these businesses for business interruption down here in Florida with the money that they collect over in Utah. They just raise the rates up on Utah, right? They don't take money out they savings account or all they coffers to pay on these any of these impacts they gotta pay on. All they do is, is increase the policies in other areas. Insurance companies are nothing but a Ponzi scheme. So they can't pay because they don't have the money, folks. Like I tell y'all all the time, insurance is the only thing these folks can just take your money and they ain't got to give you nothing. For years and years and years, these insurance companies do that. And like I say, when they're imp impacted by some area, they just take from another area to, 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 to pay the impacted area off. But nothing still comes out their pocket. And if a due minimum amount has to come out their pocket, they don't. And they're going to do is raise the insurance raise insurance rates up on somewhere else. But the insurance company take their money and they and they invest their money in things too. So insurance company monies are tied up. They ain't got no money. But the stupid thing, the sick thing about this thing is that why do you need insurance? You need insurance because of all the government regulations and all the lawsuits. And then even with the lawsuits, the insurance company still find a way try not to pay. Like I tell you again, they'd, they'd rather give these lawyers, pay these lawyers millions of dollars to go to court to fight some just so they don't have to pay you because they don't want to set no precedent. See, a lot of things are all about setting precedent. If they pay you, right, and then the next man come along with the same issue but more money, right, they have already set a precedent for paying that. So they'd rather tie their money up in court and in lawyers in order to pay you to set a precedent. But see, you can't get away with not having no insurance because they tell you is that it's a government mandate. Because the government say you got to have insurance. Because if you ain't got no insurance and the police pull you over, and the, poli the, the, the police pull you over, you 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 get a ticket, you go to jail. Or if you don't have no homeowners insurance on on your on your house and your house burned down, then how you gonna replace your house? Or if your house catch on fire and get catch the next house on fire, how you gonna pay that lawsuit for the next house because your house damaged their house? Or somebody come onto your property and, and they sprain their ankle because they stepped over some, some a puddle of water. Now you got to pay. You see, they set up all these scenarios, right? All set up all these scenarios to where in your mind you have to have insurance company. You see, because like I tell folks, you got to pay for what you create. If you go out here and buy all this stuff, right? And you and now what you have is a bunch of stuff that has a liability attached to it. Now, look, I never thought about it like this before. You have a whole bunch of stuff that has a, a whole bunch of liability attached to it. You went out and bought that house, right? You bought that house, so now you got to have homeowners insurance just in case if somebody, something happened on your property, right, and they sue you, it won't come out your pocket. But I be thinking about myself, like a person like myself who ain't never had no accident, all the money that I spent on insurance, I'm going to sit down and add it up one day. All the money that I done spent over the years paying insurance policies, how much money I would have right now? Now, you can't, nobody can predict what will and what won't happen. But my thing of it is like this here. I can take my, I can take my money like anybody else, like the insurance company can and invest my money or save my money aside, you know, like, like they say, just as a contingency plan, like when you buy a house. When you buy a house, right, you got to have a contingency fund. Because what you see, right, is a lot of things that you don't see that you're going to have to fix. So you always have a contingency plan, a good contingency plan. I was looking at this thing the other day. I was looking at this thing on um, on HGTV. I like HJTV. On HJTV, HGTV, that boy, uh, I like that boy, Turk, Amuso. He got he got this got this show called Flipping 101. I like his show. And this lady and her son, they were flipping this house, and the house caught on fire. Right now, they didn't. How she had? Luckily, she had insurance on the house while they was remodeling the house. But the insurance company didn't want to pay her. They fought that lady tooth and nails not to pay that lady on the insurance policy. Right that she took out. Now, mind you, she just said take that policy out. That policy hasn't matured, but still, she had a policy. 
it was a gamble on their part that nothing would happen. See, insurance is like a gamble too. It's gambling. Insurance company is gambling when, when they issue you a policy that nothing is going to happen for a long time. And if something do happen, right, they got they, they, they pull in enough rates from another area that they can pay your claim. So when this lady took out that policy on that house she was fixing up, it was something like she was, uh, the house was like four hundred some thousand dollars, but the house wasn't finished yet. It was just in the market that the house was in. But the damages was something like two hundred and some uh, thousand dollars worth of damage. Well, they didn't want to pay her that two hundred some thousand dollar damage to get that house brought fixed back up. So what they did was after they pulled her in court for a little time period, they finally settled with her for half of the two hundred and some thousand. I think something like two hundred and fifty thousand. I think like two hundred and seventy four thousand, something like that. That she was so sure and suing for damage because of the fire, and they end up giving us something like a hundred and fifty thousand. You know, but these are just like I tell y'all, they hold you up a lot of times because they don't have the money. You know, insurance come do the same same way that you do for when you ain't got their money. Right? You go to you know, you loan somebody, you you know, you uh you owe so you owe somebody some money, right? Or somebody owe you some money and you go to them and say, Hey man, where my money at? They say, Well, man, hold up, I can't get it. Can you give me five days? Whatever well, these insurance companies do, they hold you up, they fight you in court or hold you up. They don't even fight you in court. They just hold you up, you know, with, 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 with some type of wreck or some type of legal jargon that, you know, that, uh, you know, we're going to go to court in 30 days or something like that or 45 days before 30 days or 45 days for your court appearance come. All of a sudden they want to settle. That's because they letting that money mature. That's, that, that's because it takes them about 30, 45 days to get that, if they're going to pay you, to get that money from somewhere else to pay you. Because they have to get it when, when these other policies in these other areas come due. Right? In other words, what I'm saying is that if, if they're going to pay you $150,000, right, they got to hold you up for 30 days so they collect $150,000 in Cleveland. If you're in California, $150,000 they owe you, they got to wait 30, 45 days till they, till they collect $150 from Cleveland in order to give you so they always paying you with other people money. But see what this COVID thing is, this thing has impacted a lot of business and a lot of people's business livelihood. And a lot of people been paying insurance for years and years and years. Right? But for situations just like this, and now the insurance companies are denying them saying that we have too many policies like this, or in other words, we set a precedent for paying these business interruption policies out because of this COVID thing, then we're going to go broke. And they're not in business to go broke. In other words, what they're saying is that we don't have the money is what they're saying because they know they got to get it from somebody. They got to raise that money from somewhere else in order to pay the claims out to folks. And they can't raise, that's a lot of money to raise if you try to pay every business, business interruption. So they come up with these excuses. Or like I say, even even if it's written that a COVID virus, any virus, even if it's written in they in in they uh in in they, in they policy that business interruption doesn't include virus, the country isn't being impacted by virus. The country, I mean, the businesses aren't being impacted by the virus. The companies are being impacted by the government and the state and these local municipals regulation and rules. It's a shame. Like I told y'all the other day. I'm not saying that the virus ain't real, just like I'm telling y'all that, like I say the mumps. I can't say the mumps ain't real. I can't, I can't say that the regular flu ain't real. But shutting the country down for something like this was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And I can see you shut the company, cut the country down for maybe a month. But right now, smart people can, can kick in. Smart thinkers should kick in. See, this thing is all about power and money and getting Trump out of office. I tell y'all all the time, this thing is about getting Trump out of office. It is. And they're confusing y'all with all these funny little cute little words and this person got a show and that person got a show. And then all us podcasters, we don't know nothing like me. I, I got Louisiana education. I ain't that bright. I'm just giving y'all my synopsis. And I'm giving you my synopsis, but you know, you do your own little research. There is a um, there is a conspiracy theory that's going around, and it kind of makes sense to me. Now, I like conspiracy theories. There's always a bit of truth somewhere in them. And when I look at everything, like I tell y'all all the time, when I look at everything, I look at it in terms of follow the money, and 
with this COVID shutdown, this COVID thing was probably a perfect opportunity. Like that, like that one guy who was in office for Obama. You know, he was he, he was over the feds for Obama administration, and then he became the mayor or, or governor of Chicago. I think he was mayor of Chicago. He, he he had that famous statement. He said, "Never miss an opportunity to take advantage of a good crisis." Now, one of the new little theories that I have heard lately was. This is a perfect opportunity for them to get rid of cash, to get rid of paper money, to have everybody go digital. So this is the perfect opportunity. Because see, with this COVID thing, as y'all notice, a lot of businesses wasn't taking cash, only credit. When you order online, you got to use your credit card. Now, what you want to do is you want to get rid of a lot of businesses. Because see, like I tell y'all, they don't really want a lot of businesses. See, they're picking winners or choosers. You know, I mean, winners and losers, not choosers. They're pick, they picking winners and losers. The winners are your places like your Amazons and your Walmart and your big stores where you can order online, they can deliver to you. Your grocery stores, you can order online, they can deliver to you. You see, we are our, we are our worst we are our worst enemies. We're killing the small business because a small businessman, you go in there with cash. A lot of small businesses, they like cash because they, 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 they can't afford to pay the interest on, on the credit cards. Because anytime you use your credit card, they have to pay a percentage of using that credit card. That's why a lot of people don't like taking American, American Express credit card. Because the businesses got to pay at least 20% or something like 30% on whenever somebody uses that credit card. That's why they got a minimum purchase on credit cards. Because the businesses has to pay to accept those credit cards for the credit card company to process it. So a lot of your smaller businesses, they prefer cash. But cash is untraceable. And this is what they want to get rid of. They want to get rid of cash. It's much easier for them to use digital currency. Now, I'm going to be doing a little pie talk on this a little later on the new currency currency that the Fed is coming out with. So they're coming, up, they're coming out with their own little thing. Almost equivalent to a, a Bitcoin. You see, the Fed's coming up with their own thing. I'm going to do a little talk on that later. I was trying to keep it in the bag. But I'm just seeing how all this stuff is kind of correlating now. And I think I think they're right. This is a perfect opportunity to get people off of cash and put people on digital currency. That's like my little pie talk here. You know, y'all go on my little PayPal me and send me a little something. I need a cigar. <laughs> You know I mean, you know, I mean, if you, if you support the podcast, send a little something, I won't cash, send it digitally. <laughs> but that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, and this is a perfect test model. It was a perfect environment for this test model. Have folks go digital. When you go digital and your money in the bank, they can track your money better. When you spend money in this digital, they can track your money better. They can track your spending. If cash out there, how you gonna buy drugs with cash? You can't get drugs with a dope man with cash. I'm gonna give y'all a good illustration like that. See, the what folks don't remember back then that Iraqi war. And they only flashed this clip maybe a few times, and then you heard no more about it. I don't know if you when they over when the Iraqi war first started, they had hit these banks. You saw videos of trucks and trucks and trucks loads of money, green money on these trucks being hauled off. Nobody can tell me today where that money went. There was pallets of cash. I would tell y'all where that pallets of cash went. That pallets, that pallets of cash was taken out and it was destroyed. So y'all think that I, see, I, like, I like conspiracy theories. I like to follow the money though. You see this whole thing in Iraq was that man was holding on to a lot of money. A lot of paper money was owned, a lot of paper money. And they had to get that money. That's why the first thing they did when they went into Iraq, when they disrupted everything is, they sent them trucks in to get that money. And they hauled that money out. And y'all ain't heard no more about it. That's because they had to take that money out of circulation. It wasn't accounted for. And that's what cash is. You can't account for cash. That's like China. China, China got stacks of America money. Greenbacks. They can't do nothing with it. Unless they spend over here in America. Now, they, 
they, they can buy something with it to some other country who want to buy something here in America with it. Because that's how it works. Because American money can't buy nothing. Can't, Green Max can't buy nothing nowhere else but America. So, so China gets it, and then and then then, then China uh, passes it on to some other country who want to buy something from China, who want to buy something from the United States. So they pay an American greenbacks to China, or China pay China. I'm sorry, get how I hit it backwards. China pays them in American greenbacks. Say hypothetically, uh, China wants something from uh, Nigeria, right? And Nigeria want to buy something from the United States, okay? America ain't taking Nigeria money, right? Because to America, it, don't, it, it ain't backed by anything. It ain't worth nothing, even though our money ain't worth nothing either. But it's still, it's, it's still backed by the Air Force, Navies, and the Marines. <laughs> okay? But so Nigeria say, well, we want to buy something from America. And China say, well, we want to buy something from you. Nigeria say, well, okay, I sell it to you for this amount of dollars, American dollars. So China sends that many American dollars over to Nigeria. And then Nigeria takes that money and buys something over here with it. See, that's how that thing works. That's, that's how currency works. You see what I'm saying? That's, this is how currency works on a dummy level, on my level. Now, y'all can make somebody to give y'all that old pretty talk, but I'm telling y'all how it works. That's like China money. It's like give you Chinese, China money right now, what you going to do with it? You can't take China money and, and, and go to Publix and buy anything with China money. I think it's called a... It's not, it's not the yen. The yen is uh, Japanese money. I, I forgot what uh, Chinese currency was called right quick, but I remember probably after pod talk. But you can do anything with it. But if you want to buy it, but but if you're dealing with somebody who's who, who's buying stuff in China, say for instance, there's a, there's a supplier over here, right, that's buying stuff in China, then you probably go to that supplier with, the, with that Chinese money and say, hey, man, look, I got this Chinese money. I want to buy this from you. And they'll take it. And then they'll take it. And then, because they're already doing business in China, they'll use the money when they go to China. But they can't buy nothing here with it unless unless they pass it off to somebody else who's planning on using it in China. You understand how that go? Now, like I say, that's just from a Louisiana educated boy perspective. Y'all talk to somebody else to get all that high and mighty talk, Okay. So what I'm saying is, this is probably was the perfect opportunity, and it makes sense. If I was going to do this one, I would do it. We got this COVID thing, everything shut down, businesses shut down, everything, we ain't, we ain't going away. Hey, wait a minute. We've been throwing, we, we, we want to test this concept of our, our new digital currency. We don't care nothing about businesses shutting down, because we don't want businesses taking cash anyway. Think about it. Restaurants, tips, tips are cash, untraceable. Think about it. The traceable business, the only thing you can trace with, 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 with restaurants and some of these small businesses is what? Is, is what's being paid on credit cards with digitally. Other than that, you have more money being passed through these restaurants with cash. Uncountable. A lot of these drug lords and drug people, Mexico to Mexico, they got stacks and stacks of money on pallets. If they go digital, they can defund all that. You're not gonna be ain't nobody gonna be able to sell no drugs over here in Mexico and from Mexico drugs over here with cash. If they go digital, that's gonna disappear. Now there is always people are always gonna find a black market the way to do things digitally. You know, like put the money in the bitcoins. You know, go on. You know, go on the the other black the, the other internet, the dark web, and buy your little drugs. You know, using bitcoins and they 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 get rich like that. But that's still traceable. I was listening to that the other day. This this gal in nine, I think in two thousand and one, she had first got in two thousand something six seven. She had got into bitcoins, and she had bought. She wanted to buy some marijuana on the dark web, so she had purchased like 17, 17 bitcoins or whatever it was at seventeen bitcoins. But she ended up using uh, sixteen of the bitcoins. But she they did this little experiment, and she had lost her wallet and all that kind of stuff. So they did experiment to try to find out can they trace back to see if she still have any money remaining in her Bitcoin wallet. Now, Bitcoin is supposed to be untraceable now. That's what they sold, y'all. You know what they told y'all? They told y'all Bitcoin was untraceable. <laughs> y'all believe that like a darn fool, right? Well, make a long story short, 
This was 2006 or seven when she had that Bitcoin. She lost her wallet. She didn't know what she had or where it was. Well, come to find out, it's a, it's a guy out there. He actually came back and told him her name, what Bitcoin exchange she was using, how much she had remaining, and what she bought with it. <laughs> now, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's supposed to be untraceable, right? Let me tell y'all something right now. Ain't nothing digital untraceable. Can't nobody, because when, whenever you build something, right, whenever you build something, you all, you know how to get into it. And somebody else can figure out how to back engineer it to get into it. Ain't nothing online people can't find out digitally. Y'all believe that? Bitcoin is safer to use. Are you stupid? <laughs> or should I say, did you get a Louisiana education like me? <laughs> uh, then they back, man, they found out that girl, they found out the dates when she bought it, the marijuana she bought with it, who she bought it from on the dark web, what time she bought it from, all that information they found out from, from, uh, from, from 2007, her Bitcoin, and then told her she had something like a couple cents left on, on, on her Bitcoins that's still in the system because she didn't spend all 17 Bitcoins. She spent like 16 point something. I was like, wow. And folks out there, that's, that's why Bitcoin's going up and down. I ain't never like Bitcoin from the beginning because I don't like something that don't make no, don't make no sense to me. Didn't make no sense to me is that, and, and, and look how she did it. Right there, we'll talk about Bitcoin. She took hard cash. She took cash. She went to the bank and she, she deposited cash in the bank. And then she did a dis, digital exchange for her from her cash to Bitcoins to buy Bitcoins. Then she used the Bitcoins to buy marijuana on the dark market. And that's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life because it's supposed to be untraceable. <laughs> they try to sell y'all Bitcoins, but yet they want your cash for Bitcoins. That don't make no sense to me. Once you take $17 and go on the corner and buy, buy some weed from Pookie, just tell Pookie that, hey, hey, Pookie, look, man, I'm $3 short. Can I get a $20? I don't know. I don't know what the size of these marijuana bags is anymore. I'm just going to say it old school. Can I get a $20 bag? I'm $3 short. Pookie, Pookie, get to you for $17. He'll get to you for $17. He, he, he'll be $3 short. And, and, and it's untraceable. <laughs> Pookie is untraceable. But when you take your cash and buy Bitcoins, when they go on a dark market and buy marijuana with a thing that's untraceable, it's traceable. Anything you do is traceable. You can't hide nothing from the government. <laughs> you crazy. You out your mind to hide nothing from the government. You can't hide nothing from the government. And if you think you're smart in the government, you crazy. You crazy you think you're smart in the government. You crazy. These people make rules when they want to make rules. That's what they do. That's what we put them in office to do. We put them in office to make rules. Some of them get carried away. A whole lot of them get carried away with it. But what you going to do about it? So now, they all of these businesses, they shutting down. And they're going to shut them down even more when they want, when, once they go digital. Well, I can't say they're going to shut them down even more. Folks are going to have to conform. You're going to have to conform. If you're a business, you got to change your business practice. The ones that fall off are the ones that fall off. There's always going to be new businesses open back up. Just less people going to be hired. And it's going to be in the see These people think they smart too. They got these food trucks running around here. And these food trucks are cash businesses. But that's only going to be cash business for so long. See some of these food trucks around here. You see, I was watching Shark Tank. And, they, and I knew whenever I see Mark Cuban invest in something, he always invests in something digital a lot of times he don't like the product but what he like is he like the developers behind it and the way the developers think and he can add those 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 developers you know that technology the mind the thinking of those developers the people you know to his portfolio you see what i'm saying and they had this one little uh latino lady she developed this program for tipping you know like you know the guy that's on the street the guys and and to me her little thing works just like um like uh, PayPal, PayMe, uh, Vimeo, Vimeo, whatever they call it, Vimeo, whatever the mother ones is, the cash app. It works like that, but her app was for like tipping, tipping like bartenders, service workers, and stuff like that. Instead of giving them cash, it, you know, you just digitally, digitally tip them right there on the spot. Well, that's where everything is going. 
So like these waitresses, they, 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 they can't get away with that cash like they used to. Because when you tip them, you're going you to have to tip them digitally. And all that can be tracked. So they can't hide all their wages no more. See what I'm saying? When you tip anybody, when you go do tip your little hair salon lady, right? You got to tip her digitally. You can't be just no cash. But now they can know what she making. That what this whole thing about is is about track is about tracking tracking this money, changing the whole monetary system around from paper to digital, just like they did a long time ago when they changed it from gold to paper. Now they just they now they just changed it from digital, uh, from from paper to digital. It's got to come sometime. Y'all know it's coming. Didn't you watch Star Trek? <laughs> the next generation. It's coming sometime. And this is the time when they're changing everything. And this COVID virus thing is the perfect opportunity. Perfect opportunity. And I know all this started when we talked about business interruption, but see, that's what this whole thing is. All this stuff ties together. Now, these insurance companies, man, these insurance companies are jack legs, but I can't blame them, though, because, hey, that's the game. They didn't bought enough public officials and they didn't put enough crap in the game to force your hand to have to buy insurance. Like I said, you don't buy no insurance, then they're going to make you liable for everything. See, they'll even lock you up, too. You ain't got insurance. Now, I don't know why the government should be involved in locking you up because you ain't got no insurance because that's a risk that you take it. If you don't have no insurance in your car and you go out there and you run into somebody, then you in trouble. You shouldn't get no jail time, well, unless you're drunk. If you're drunk or you high, I think you should get some jail time. If you're drunk, you high. But if you just go out there and just just have a, a little fender bender out there, uh, that should, that should be between you and that person. That person can pay you. But then again, you know what? I can see a person hitting you and not having and not having uh, not having any money to pay you, not insurance on the hook, and just probably be easy just fighting with the insurance company for your money. Because, see, like I say, there's a lot of things I, I disagree with on how the governments and insurance companies work. But then I can see why I can see a benefit to them, too. Because, see, we can't have everybody riding around here like we in Mexico with no car insurance and running into each other. You know, and a lot of, and a lot, a lot of people, even, even not with insurance, a lot of people riding around with don't have insurance on their car. If they run into you, you ain't going to get nothing. You got to pay for your own car. You know, or they run into you and hurt you. You can't sue them because they ain't got nothing. So I can see some benefits, you know, I can't see the benefits for having insurance coming. But it's just like throwing money into a black hole, though, for some folks. You know, take for instance somebody like me. I've never been in a doctor. Never. I, I always go to doctor. I go to doctors. I pay for my doctor with my insurance on my job. But I've never had any serious ailments so far. I ain't never been hospitalized for anything. Ain't never been sick but for anything but a cold. Go get my check checkups, but yet my insurance come. My my job is taking out almost uh da, 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 almost four hundred dollars a month for health insurance for over ten years now. Over four hundred dollars I've been paying in the health insurance for over, over ten years, and I haven't been hospitalized for anything. That's free money to them. See, people like me, they love people like me. You see, people like me pay for the ones that's sick. They can take that little money they made over four hundred thousand from me. Well, no, that's more than four hundred thousand. If I've been paying four hundred dollars under four hundred years, that's over the forty-eight, forty-eight. Ooh, man, they cleaned up on me in ten years. They, they're well over four hundred some thousand dollars that they made off of me. Well over, not just did ten years. Well over four hundred some. I don't know the insurance company didn't collect off me alone. And 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 then trans, 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 transfer what I paid. To them in the in in the investments and also in probably in paying somebody else off. But see, you can't do that though. See, see, you can't see if you got money, if you got money, you can't insure nobody. Because you're not part of the old boys club. You gotta get license from the government to do that. You gotta have permission. Like I tell you about loan sharking. A bank ain't nothing but a loan shark, but uh you can't loan shark. Loan shark can't charge you interest, but a bank can. So insurance companies can charge you all these high premiums and they got to pay you nothing. And it's totally legal for them not to do it if they got a good excuse. Totally legal. But like I said at the same time, they can. I still rather have insurance than not to have insurance.
I'd rather fight with the insurance company or my policy than not to have nothing at all. So, you know, it, it's, man, it's a hard decision. You know, I can't, because like I say, if not, you know, we, everybody be running around, because you know, people here, everybody be running around with no insurance. And then everybody will be affecting other people with, with, uh, with, uh, with no accountability. Because you got to hold people accountable. You hold people accountable, it'll be like the wild, wild west, or like they say California is now. <laughs> Water California, boy, I tell you. Woo-wee. But hey, that's the way it is. But look, I'm going to get on out of here now. I took up enough, enough of y'all time with my little rambling. But I hope y'all learn a little, little something about uh, business interruption insurance. And do your own little hard, your little homework, because uh, y'all know me. I got Louisiana education, but I ain't that bright. I just bring y'all stuff that I'll be figuring on, that's all. That's all I be doing. Now, look, if y'all got to get a chance, like I tell y'all, y'all go to y'all local cigar spots and y'all check out this A.J. Fernandez. Okay, man, let me tell you something. This is a really good stick I'm, I'm reading about. And I'm really, I'm really looking, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward, really looking forward to this Thursday going in. Matter of fact, this Thursday uh, up in Gainesville, Havana Cigar and Wine Lodge. Our boy up there, he opened it back up. I guess Gainesville is, is letting him open open the cigar spot back up. So this Thursday, the group of guys, we going up to Gainesville to Lee's. It's called Havana. Havana Cigar Lodge up in Gainesville. We going up there this Thursday with the guys. And we going to sit out there and smoke up some, gar- some, some, some cigars up there in Gainesville. And uh, put a little money on local economy. And I'm going to see if, I'm gonna see if uh, Lee got this A.J. Fernandez New World. If it is, I'm going to try it up there. And see, because Lee up in the Havana Cigar Lines in Gainesville, he usually gets some of his cigars from Roz. So if he ain't got it, then I'll have to wait till Friday when I come back to our spot on Friday, Roz, to try this A.J. Fernandez New World. But I'm going to try it. But look, y'all check y'all local cigar spots out. Y'all check this thing out. Right? Check it out for yourself. And if your local cigar spot ain't got it, like I always tell y'all, go online to see our hosts or whatever. Get some online for your humidor, but always support your local cigar spot first. And I hopefully you can still support them with cash. If, if, not, if not, it's going to have to be digital. <laughs> but look at, like I tell y'all all the time in closing, y'all take care of everybody out there. But most importantly, y'all take care of yourself first. All right now.